Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM. Destination unknown. You are with the JSB. Don't forget at 10 o'clock, KG comes up with Seasons and she will keep you entertained with great music until 1 o'clock. If you'd like to participate in the conversation with our guest from here on in, you're welcome to SMS us on 41391. You can also WhatsApp us on 0614104107. Our guest, as I mentioned, is Quinita Hunter. She's an award-winning journalist and she's political editor at News24. She's also the author and co-author of three different books. Quinita, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Quinita, we always like to start by asking uh, our guest why they choose the songs that they choose. And your first choice, classic track, Weekend Special. I mean, I'm thinking... Are you feeling like you're a weekend special today? No, it's just the <laughs> sass of uh, my brewer that just, uh, you know, is always um, uh, just so elevating in so many ways. Um, uh, you know, the kind of uh, sort of calling out uh, uh, how loud you like and it's just the, the sassiness of it all just is enough to put you in a good mood um, and make you face your day. Well, we definitely need to be in a good mood because uh, we're not just facing the day, we're facing the year three weeks in and it feels like the energy has just shot oh. up, um, uh, you know, and we'll get to that in a moment. But are you taking things in bite sizes? Are you trying to eat the elephant one bite at a time or are you feeling like we're already like deep in it? Michelle, you know, um, I had an interesting conversation last week with um, a, a politician, and and he said something to me that was so so silly, but 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 it just it hit home. And he said, "You know what the year is going to bring. Prepare yourself for the chaos, so you mm. can take it one day at a time." And I said, "That's that's it. Last year hit us." Like, you know, a ball out of the blue, we were caught scrambling, we were caught, you know, it was just too much. Whereas this year, I feel like we're going to have to eat this elephant one bite at a time. Um, and and if anything, I am, I am, and I know this probably sounds uh, ridiculous to most listeners, but I am advocating rest and taking weekends this year uh, um, more than ever. <laughs> Just, just in a sense that you, we get so caught up by the news cycle and by the you know, events of the day and we forget to take a breath. And so 2022 for me is the year of taking a breath. You talk about taking a breath and I know that uh, one of the books that you put on your list of your reading is Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes. And I always think of the word yes and I think of how many people go, yes, but... So <laughs> mm. I'm, I'm wondering, is your year of yes part of that taking a breath and saying, let's take our weekends, let's find the time to take a pause, a breath of fresh air, which is what we talk about a lot here on the show. Yeah, I mean, that, that book by Shandaram is a few years old, yeah. but it has been so life-changing for me in many ways. Um, and, and, I, and I go to it, I find myself going to, because obviously I'm, I'm, as a writer, I'm, I'm inspired by, by Shandaram and, and, and your book characters that she's created, whether it's mm. Grey's Anatomy or Scandal, and, you know, I mean, she's a television writer, I, I, that's not the genre, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, her, her writing is, is fascinating. And, and, and that book was so uh, life-changing for me in so many ways that this year I sort of, um, you know, found myself, you know, 
sort of dusting it off and, 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 and going back to it to find some sort of, um, you know, uh, there's this thing of, you know, what would Shonda do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, and that has been, that has been really, um, uh, you know, helpful. I, I listened to podcasts recently of hers and she, you know, just spoke about being, um, you know, sort of ill tolerant to certain things like, you know, justifying certain positions as a woman of color, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I thought, wow. Um, her her journey inspired a lot of my own wellness journey over the years in terms of of reclaiming my life in terms of obesity and 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 so forth. But this year, um, I'm I'm sort of you know I'm I'm known to say no to anything that's not work, that's not stunning, that's not um, you know sort of serious in many ways. And this year. Um, I'm doing uh, a lot of yes, uh, and and it started off with a a a, a yacht cruise in the nice my head. <laughs> oh, amazing! I've I've just come from that area. You must have loved oh, every minute. Some people feel it, a bit nauseous, but uh, did you love it? I absolutely. I can't tell you how that trip just fed me in so many ways. Mm. And I've been to Lazina before. Like it's not. I mean, I've been to the Garden Group before, but this. This trip, there wasn't a beach or a body of water that we didn't visit. And, I, and I'm not one for the beach, actually. I, I, the water, I'm not a water baby. Um, but just sitting and, and taking in that energy was the best thing that I could have ever done for myself. Well, let's uh, hope that we can take in that energy to keep uh, ourselves on the calm. As they say in Zen, uh, I think it's Jane Hirschfield, the poet, said that Zen is three things. One, it's uh, knowing that change is a given Two, knowing that interconnectivity is a given. And three, knowing that you need to be present at all times. And I thought that that was a great way to describe something. Absolutely. Juanita, let's go back in time. Um, you know, I, I do want to say, and this is why I found your guests quite interesting, particularly your second guest, is there is nothing online about you that is not simply the stuff that you have written, etc., it you are very secretive about your own personal life. It would appear. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, maybe my personal life is not that exciting. Well, because... you know, I think that we learn a lot from people in terms of. I mean, you just saying that, just you know, experiencing the sea and what the water, you know, that experience means it says something immediately. So I'm going to take you back to your youth and growing up, your influences. Yes. You grew up like me in KwaZulu-Natal. Talk to us about that time. So I have a very um, interesting um, life, which I suppose everyone will believe that. But, but, but um, I was one of those kids that knew from the time they were six years old that they, what they wanted to do for the rest of their lives. <laughs> I knew at like seven or eight years old that I wanted to be a journalist. And not only do I want to be any journalist, I want to be a political journalist. And this was because we had we, we didn't grow up with a television, but we grew up with newspapers. So we had no uh-huh. television in our home. Uh, but newspapers was sort of the entertainment. So Sundays was, you know, the Sunday time, Sunday Tribune would arrive and we'd sort of pull it apart. You know, whoever gets um, the the magazine section first was the luckiest. I I used to start with the property section and then work my way, you know, into the into the front. <laughs> I never ever read the sports section, um, but but and I loved I loved um, looking at, um, at 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 houses in the in, in, in that was just you know something that I would do. But I I, I became 
active and understood politics, not understood politics, but aware of politics, despite not, not coming from an overtly political home, per se, right? Um, and and um, so, so, so that was sort of my story in the sense that I've always wanted to be a, to, to be to be um, a journalist, and and I mean it would be indulged a little bit. But the irony of it is that uh, now as an adult, I look back and 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 realize that I had some sort of like dyslexia. I still struggle with it in the sense that I was very late to read and write, um, oh. and until and, and today I struggled to physically write. You would you very you would very rarely see me with a pen. Um, because I really, I struggle quite a bit to 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 physically write, and so uh, smartphones and computers was probably the the greatest gift. <laughs> yeah, it just it, it changed my whole life, right? Yeah. Um, and so the ironies of my you know my primary school teachers, uh, you know, sort of probably chuckling that the girl who used to be penalized for not knowing how to, um, you know, write and 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 uh, sort of. Uh, swapping her B's and B's yeah. um, uh, is, is, is now a, a writer. So that, that, that for me is just, just crazy. But so, so we, we don't have a television. We grew up like many South Africans, you know, working class or just sort of below working class. Um, and so we had a public library. Again, I really, really struggled. And I grew up in a house of readers. That, that's what we did. We read and read and read. We spent the entire year. Like our December holidays would just be reading piles and piles of books. But I struggled to read as a child. That's my recollection as a, as a child. And I remember my, my older sister would sit with me. And she would, like, would, you know, like she would be reading, like, Sweet Valley. She's a year older than me. And I would be reading, like, Noddy because I was struggling to read. And she would, like, you know, force me to get into it. And I um, and then I, I can't remember exactly when it is, but my brain is saying it's about like ten or eleven years old. I then um, so, so you know my, my peers were reading Anne of Green Gables and you know those type of books, and and I could I just couldn't. And and then I discovered in the library political books. Hmm. And once I discovered political books, I was reading you know a book a day. Wow. I was reading books about yeah. Hester Peterson. I remember I was reading books about, and 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 I was then I started you know finding books on 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 like world issues of you know Afghanistan you know Khalid Hussaini for example that were fascinating to me, and then I realized oh okay I actually it's not it, it I love reading I just don't like reading um, what everyone else was reading at the time, and then finding that niche you know lugging around. Uh, you know, long walk to freedom just to be cool. <laughs> you know, was 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 what was what really fueled me. And so, then I and then I found reading books written about um, contemporary politics. Yeah. Um, you know the the Kebble stuff. You know, when I got a bit yes. older, the that kind of thing was that. Okay, I love reading, but I need to read what actually interests me, and that was yes. the news. And I think that that's a fantastic message to so many young people when we talk about reading. And we, you know, in the last half hour, we've been talking about it in depth. But it's about how do you choose a book that that tells a story that interests you, and why is it is it important to have something that interests you, and not be forced to read something that is of absolutely no interest at all. So, Juanita, one of the things we have discussed this before here on the show, and I've always found this really interesting, actually, is that. You went to university, you went to WITS, and you did your honours in, in fake news, and we're going to talk about that 
uh, in a moment because I think that's fascinating given uh, the books that you've written, the co-authoring of Eight Days in July, which focuses a lot around fake news. Um, but you started a blog which was Diary of a Gucci Girl, which of course mm. got huge support. And I wondered how you, you how that you got took taken into that world as as, you know, part of Gujarati community, what was it about and why? So 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 this is this is something that um you know I think about a lot and it's a part of my story that I like I cringe a little bit when I have to <laughs> That's why I'm asking because you. My, my, I <laughs> mean my ambition things. my ambition has always been you know I want to be this hard um you know political serious political journalist I want to you know my first book must be uh, an award-winning political expose um and then my first book is you know a chiclet about this girl who's struggling to find herself in university I didn't have a linear road to uh, right I didn't go to school and then went to university and then went to the workplace so I was I went to a home school um that was prom- pr- prom- uh, prominently um faith-based um and so, uh, uh, so, so effectively, didn't go to a school school, if you like, right? Um, and then I went straight after I matriculated, uh, went straight into a newsroom. Uh, and one can say I conned my way in, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave it to the, the people uh, that hired me to. And then, and then, and then I kind of picked up studying, um, kind of dropped it along the way, uh, and then, and then, and then, you know, forced myself to finish my my, my degree at, at birth. Um, and and so that was sort of my. So I didn't have you know the the, the normal when I say normal quote unquote you know um, you, you know finish matric and you have a you know a, a dance and then you whatever and then you go to you know choose a university. For me, I, I, education was almost sort of like um, what I learned as I went along. It wasn't sort of like this dedicated time. So I was in a newsroom, I was 17, turning 18. Yeah. Um, I was covering the ANC Mangaung conference at 19 years old. Um, uh, you know, I was I was covering Julius Malema, in, you know, in, in the height of his um, exit from the ANC as a, you know, teenager, literally. Um, because that for me was sort of my be all. So that was my, you know, but I, but I needed a creative outlet, right? Because you can't be 18 or 19 years old and just be married to political journalism the way that I was, right? And, 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 and also, like, you're trying to juggle studying. Um, at the time, I was working for the New Age. Um, and, you know, I was living alone in Joburg. I left home at 17, came to Joburg. Um, so I was struggling. To, I was, you know, I needed to find this, this, this story. And, and when I got to Johannesburg, I obviously met a, a whole range of people. And I found it extremely fascinating that um, you know you'd meet people, you'd meet so, so, and 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 also my life story is that I don't come from a typically Gujarati family, if you like, right? Yeah. And, and and I have a, a mixed background, um, and grew up really as you know, I, you know, even when when someone says where are you from, it's very difficult to say I'm from. You know, I grew up in, a little bit in Kazanatal, but you know, Cape Town is also home, but Kimberley is also home. So so there's, <laughs> there's that, right? Yeah. So yeah. I come to Joburg and I meet these exciting people, different types of, I mean, politicians. And, and then there's this, this, this story, you know, meeting girls who kind of, uh, you know, are really motivated by this thing of coming to, you know, coming from small towns, coming to the big city, and then being sort of obsessed with um, 
with, with finding love. And that was such a far cry from my life, right? Because I was obsessed with this ambition of becoming a journalist and, you know, <laughs> doing everything. And I almost did it tongue-in-cheek, almost like self-righteously, mockingly, you know, with yeah. a sense of, like, tongue-in-cheek. Um, and then I started writing this very badly written blog, very badly written blog. I think you can't find the blog on Instagram because, you know, I tried no, to get looked. rid of it. We <laughs> <laughs> because it was so badly written. Until uh, Shafinaz Hassan, who you know, the, you know, a, 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 a wonderful writer, you know, came up to me and said, "We need to make this into a book." And I was like, "This is." I was devastated because I said, um, uh, "You know, my first book needs to be this political award-winning." <laughs> um, and and you know, I kid you not, it's been what eight to nine years since Gujigal is out, and I get more recognition comments. Uh, support about Kujikal than any of my other work. I mean, so, I spend hours trolling through the Gupta emails and people just don't care. Yeah, they <laughs> want to know about the Kujikal. But, you know, the funny thing is we can we can say what we like about, um, you know, teen lit and and stories for young people. I mean, yeah. ironically, I, read, I recently read a New Yorker article about the history of the Bambi story. And yeah. apparently the original Bambi story is, is a horror story. I mean, it's a terrifying story of evil and drama. And that was, of course, before Disney cleaned it up, so to speak. So I think in many ways what you may have done with Gucci Girl is not necessarily just soft and fluffy. <laughs> can, can, can I tell you something, Michelle, quite quickly? Um, so so over the years, so, so my late mom, um, and, and that's what... what pushed me into 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 writing uh, fiction that I as a as a hobby right she would uh, she would she would love to read my stories right so yeah. i would email her so i'd write I'd, I'd start a story and then i'd write like um, you know a few hundred words and i'd email it to her and, and then she would be so and you know she'd phone me and she'll shout me she's like why are you so mean why did the character and i mean these are stories that never ever made it public right so Gucci Girl obviously became a book and it, it did well. Um, and then and then subsequently to that, I decided to like, you know, test the waters. And, and this was after my mom had passed to release, uh, uh, um, you know, a story that I had written for, like completely like unedited, you know, just to sort of put it out in the public domain. And it was the same sort of, um, you know, earth cake in, in my little circle of, you know, little fandom of, 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 of girls who, who appreciate that kind of writing, right? And I was like, wow, this still there's a huge appetite for this. Also, it's annoying because I'm, you know, in the middle of, of like, you know, trying to build my career and people are, you know, cared about this silly story. about. And then last year when I was in, um, I, I um, so my dad passed away the year before uh, in the height of COVID. And then last year I had COVID. And, and it was just before the unrest or just as the unrest was starting. And I had all of this time. Because, I mean, it was not many days. I, I forced myself to get back to work. But I had like, you know, a week or so where I had to just lay in bed. And so I kind of dug up these characters that I kind of started uh, writing about, you know, as a, as, a, as a therapeutic way of like, dealing with the loss of my parents. And I, and I wrote and I, and I wrote the story and I forgot about it. And then, and then in December, someone reminded me like, oh, when will we ever read this thing that you said you wrote when you had COVID? And I was like, you know what? I'm, not, I'm I don't have the energy to, you know, pursue a publisher or whatever. Let me just, you know, use online free tools and just, you know, get a PDF out there. And I did that. And I can't tell you the amount. And again, this is in competition to the book that I co-authored, mm. um, which was, you know, a days. lot of 
I mean, we can talk about that. It was writing a book in a month was it was hectic, but but the irony of it, and I thought, and I and I've been thinking about. I think there needs to be a bigger conversation. I spoke to a, a, co- a former colleague of mine, Nati Olifant, who used to work at the Sunday Times. He's written two books now, and 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 we and I said to him, we need to start having conversations about this hunger for our, for very localized stories, niche stories. Mm, like. I agree. I, and, I feel and, very and the strongly. Barrier to entry. Yeah, I feel very publishing. strongly about that. I mean, I, and I think that part of our our goal here with the producers and myself here on this show is around how do we look at the stories that, you know, small stories, big ideas, massive inspiration is the tagline. And how do we look at those small stories? Because actually for me, you know, what you wrote in Eight Days in July and your other books and that, it's sure, it tells us what's going on. But what it does is it raises a certain level of knowledge to a degree, a certain level of anxiety. And I sometimes wonder how do we how do we balance it with smaller things which are which bring us a certain level of joy, which bring us a certain level of positivity? And I'm not trying to be Pollyanna-ish, but I, but I do think that's critical. We're going to go into your second song, and um, Zakes Bantwini, Osama. What a great track. Why? Just because it's a great track, you should say <laughs> Listen, where were you this December? <laughs> hey, listen, I was uh, taking the biggest break I've ever taken in my life. So I was like, man, I'm not even listening to anything. But we love it. You know, he was voted in my class at Gibbs. He was voted as the student that was going to do the most in the shortest period of time. And I suspect yeah. he, he, he rolled that one out for sure. So here we go. Here's your summer song. <laughs> 